Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Emily, a writer and editor. We're just two type 1 diabetic ladies trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. Welcome to the second episode of season six. Still a crazy thing to say. Woohoo! We made it. I feel like that's my like um, opening line of every episode. Episode is, Miriam is a woohoo girl, but we're here for <laughs> yeah. it. It's okay. We accept her the way she is. Come one, come all. We all have broken pancreases. Thank you. Okay. So to get to the uh, the crux of this episode. Um, so this episode's about college and diabetes. Shout out to the mom who wrote in and wants to help prepare her kids and herself, I'm assuming, for the big departure. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy fall to all of those freshmen matriculating and mm-hmm. to all of those soon going to school or even for those who are just want to reminisce on the glory days. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, for me, they were not necessarily glory days because I was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in college. Yes. So that's an interesting note as we kind of dig into this topic of going to college with diabetes is Emily and I are coming from very different perspectives. So I was diagnosed at six, which means I had like doing the math, 12, 12-ish years to prepare for going to college with diabetes, whereas Emily was a, a like normal college student going into college, I guess. Normal meaning like a functioning pancreas. And then had to shift gears once she was diagnosed. So I was so weird. Don't get it twisted. It's so weird. Um, so that'll be but, an interesting yeah. um, thing as we just as, to clarify to clarify I as we di- talk. And what? Yeah, you, you have to say something. I was also I was di- <laughs> I had been officially. I wasn't officially diagnosed until my in between my sophomore and junior year. So I had about a year of mostly semi-functioning pancreas and then started going into DKA and losing function of said pancreas for my sophomore year Um, and then that that summer I finally was like doctor listen to me but head to season one oh my god throwback episode one and you'll hear my diagnosis story in Christie's who was the OG co-host and then for episode two you can hear Miriam's diagnosis story um, episode two season one so we we won't rehash all of those old uh, old wounds if you will here right now but it is very true that we have different perspectives mm-hmm. let's kick off with Miriam's and I think in telling our perspectives we can help prepare and acknowledge certain things that were difficult for us that you know we'd want a mom or someone heading into college to think about Mm -hmm. exactly and obviously you know our moms aren't on this podcast with us but I think through (laughs) yet but I think through you know looking back at that time of my life it's easier to kind of see what my mom might have been feeling now that I've gotten older so we can kind of get a sense of how our parents dealt with it all um but I'll say First of all, my personal experience, 
I'm giving away my age, but going into freshman year of college was now 10 years ago for me, which is horrifying, but I'm like quite old now. Um, maybe even 11 years. I'll do that math later. I didn't later. want to correct you, but it's more than I that. think it's 11 years. So 11 I years ago. I think it's ago, almost 12 years, Miriam. No, I went, I was, I started my freshman year fall 2008. So that was 11 years ago. Um, <laughs> Emily doesn't believe me. <laughs> that math is right. Fall 2008. It's 2019. And it's about to be 2020. <laughs> Yeah, but it's fall 2019, so 11 all right, all right. years Don't ago. Don't get twisted. Miriam's young and iridescent. I know. Maybe we should Coming edit straight. this argument out. Um, oh, my God. Never. <laughs> so I went into college 11 years ago. So I think part of my memories of this time are, like, faded just with the passage of time. And also, I think it has something to do with your development, development at that age. I think developmentally, I was not as aware of the risks or as aware of things that I should be scared of as I am now. Like me thinking now, being a teenager, dealing with the disease, living on your own for the first time, I'm like, holy moly, how did I do any of that? Like, that's terrifying. But at the time, I don't remember feeling so terrified of that I was much more focused on like college in general which is kind of where I want to start in the sense of transitioning to college is an unbelievably emotionally complex time for everyone this is not a diabetes specific thing like anyone any student going into college it's gonna be a weird transitional time and I think you know, maybe we've discussed this before. Maybe those of us with diabetes are already a little naturally more anxious than others because we have more to think about and more that's on our mind. Um, so I think if you're already a little bit of an anxious kid, this is definitely an anxiety-provoking time. But I do want to normalize that, like, all these feelings you may be feeling as you're about to start college or you just started college – those are normal for everyone. You're likely to be anxious. You're likely to have this complicated dynamic with your parents and that you feel like you're really independent and on your own, but at the same time, you're still a kid in some sense. And these are normal growing pains with this age. I think diabetes piled onto that is just like one more thing you got to deal with, which is just true at any phase of our life. So in terms of transitioning with diabetes, I think what I did to prepare was at the time, again, like 800 years ago or 11, JDRF Stop. had put together this little like roommate letter. They had like a little going to college kit. It's probably much more extensive now. But at the time, it was like a formatted letter that you could send to your roommates. And I remember we got our roommates assigned to us like a month before we were moving in. Everyone found each other on Facebook. Um, and my roommate and I started talking and she was really sweet. And I think I got a good vibe of, from her initially. So I literally like sent her this JDRF letter. I edited it a little bit to sound, make it sound like it's more in my voice. And I sent it to her and I said, listen, like, 
just so you know, like, this is something I deal with. I've got it completely covered, but these are things I want you to know. So one, if you, if I am unconscious or if I seem like I'm not like waking up, it's probably not because I'm drunk. It's probably because my blood sugar is low. I don't expect you to do things for me, but these are like potential emergencies that could happen. And these are the things that would be needed to fix it. And I just want you to be aware. So I think for me, it was very important. I didn't want want my roommate to feel like she had to take care of me or be responsible for me, but I did want her to be very aware of what I was going through and what a low blood sugar looks like, what a high blood sugar looks like, like what my mood could be at those times. I just wanted to put it out in the open like initially so it was out and I didn't have to like deal with the awkwardness of telling her, you know, three weeks into the semester or something. She, I mean, I love... It's also... No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's really important to let the people around you know mm-hmm. of your disease um, for many reasons, especially, you know, waiting three weeks may seem like a good idea because you don't want to scare mm-hmm. someone or you're nervous about fitting in or all the stuff, um, you know, that, that is associated with having a chronic illness that makes you different because no one really wants to be different, mm-hmm. especially in their college years. Um but, you know, safety first. Yeah. And college is no exception. And Miriam did the safe thing. There mm-hmm. is actually, I was just looking this up while you were talking. Sorry, I swear I was listening. <laughs> JDRF has, still has uh, some pretty dope fact sheets mm-hmm. and, you know, how to prepare for living on your own with type one, whether that means college mm-hmm. or, um, you know, just moving and starting workforce, just exiting your parents' home. Mm-hmm. So I I'm wondering, Miriam, how does your roommate end up taking it? She, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I loved my roommate. She was just the kindest person. So she was, like, so sweet. And she's like, oh, my God, not a problem. Like, one of my friends from high school has type 1 diabetes. Like, she was very understanding. And I don't really recall, to be honest. Like, I don't when I'm thinking of my freshman year, I don't remember there ever being an issue in which she needed to like take care of me but I instantly felt just more relieved knowing that she knew and I didn't have to like keep bringing it up somehow um and that could just be because like obviously time has passed so obviously nothing like horrific happened that like is blocked in my mind I'm obviously I had low blood sugars obviously I had high blood sugars while I was living with her But nothing was so dramatic because I was very chill and calm about it. So she was very chill and calm about it. And I think that kind of set the precedence that if if I were to start being a little anxious about it, she would have matched my mood. And I think that's how people generally are. If you're even keeled most of the time when you do have to rate like be more on alert others around you will be like oh okay like she's on alert maybe I should be on alert too it's like the boy who cried wolf if you're like high alert all the time they don't quite know when to when to take it super seriously and when it's just like you're okay right so or they could even get the wrong idea of yeah. the level of like okay like having te- a one severity blood sugar might be a little high for you personally yeah. but it's not like you're necessarily in a lot of danger ketones aside exactly but this brings me to a little tidbit um you know this can be true with mingling uh in the opposite sex. like if you're dating with diabetes I said that's so weird (laughs) but I remember my boyfriend now the one of the so probably like seven months ago one of the first times we hung out I had a blood sugar of 38 which Mm kind of came on out of nowhere 
and I was, you know, it was really his first time interacting mm-hmm. with type 1 diabetes in any way, shape, or form. We'd only been dating for, like, maybe a month. And, like, if that. And I was, like, trying to be so calm, cool, and collected, but I was really not feeling great. Like, a 38 is really yeah. not a great number to be at. Mm-hmm. And Miriam's probably like, oh, I remember when this happened. <laughs> but um, I just remember, like, sitting there, and, like, he got up to – we were watching a movie, and he got up to go to the bathroom, and – like I was being really calm about it and just like shoving Skittles in my face but like you know still talk trying to talk or listening or pretending to listen and he was like so chill about it like he came back and he's like oh you good now and I was like yeah and then like later an hour later I was like dude I ate all my low snacks we gotta go get some backups mm-hmm. and he was like oh, okay I was he was like you want to go tomorrow and I was like no, no no you don't get it like that was actually really bad what happened <laughs> I was just trying to play it cool like that could have been really bad and he, then he got it he was like well why didn't you like react more and I was like oh no no you don't understand I'm trying to be cool like <laughs> I didn't want to freak you out and he was like oh shit okay let's go get like a bag of Starburst mm-hmm. and some OJ and I was like let's do it up and then we also got like a whole bunch of Ben and Jerry's but moral of <laughs> don't be afraid to alert when yeah. something's bad like yeah you don't want to freak someone out but it's much better Mm -hmm. to freak someone out than for something to happen to you exactly Um, and I think college is also a unique time of your life and that you are going to be meeting so many people and everyone you meet is like trying to make friends that's like the amazing part of college but I also think it puts you in a position where unfortunately you're gonna have to introduce this a lot and that can be really intimidating thinking like oh my god I have to tell all of these people about diabetes and there's not really another phase of your life when you feel like you're doing that repeatedly all the time like you really don't need to any other phase yeah of like, and so I think even when you start a job just tell like one or two people you don't yeah. have to tell the world like, and I think the the important people immediately that should know like day one are your roommate your RA or whoever's kind of monitoring you um and those are the Resident, biggies. Resident assistants. The re- yes, resident assistants of your dorm or wherever you might be living. Um, anyone you're living with, I'd say. And then ideally the university health center, depending on the type of college you're going, you should be like registered with them. They should kind of, I mean, I think you have to do that anyways. You have to send in all those medical forms for college, right? It's been this so long. This is where the fun, the fun difference comes in. Okay. Um, so for me, I was diagnosed in between my sophomore and junior year of college and I've been exhibiting symptoms of DKA for about or leading up to DKA I wasn't actually in DKA until like the last month but um I had been having all the fun symptoms minus the weight loss which I'm still crying about uh for about a year and a half so I was very familiar with the on-campus nurses PAs and stuff like that but no one was asking the right questions because I was a 20 year old seemingly healthy gal um, that people just didn't think to check me for type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. So when I was diagnosed, I was properly diagnosed in Jacksonville, Florida after being misdiagnosed there for a long time. And so I actually, since I was already enrolled and I'd been at Boston University for two years, I didn't know really to alert the college. I told my RA and I told my roommates and my best friends But, like, and that was when I went back to school my junior year. Like, after the summer, I didn't take any time off or anything like that. Um, 
but it's interesting because looking back, I really wish I had told some people, uh, at the, on the more, um, higher level at BU because I can't tell you, I like, since I had just been diagnosed, I had a lot of high and low blood sugars that first semester. Um, and had I registered with the school, I would have been able to postpone a test if my blood sugar was Mm -hmm. like 400 or like, I probably would have made Dean's list every damn semester. Had I know, you know, like I look back and I'm like, these are the positives that we have from the disease that we in my opinion, have every right to take advantage yeah. of. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, it's like the one of the very few perks. And I actually, I mean, I didn't do that either. Like, I registered with the health center, meaning, like, they knew I had a chronic disease. illness. So, yeah. like, when the flu shots came out, they would always give them to, like, the chronically ill kids yeah. first. So it was, like, me and my friend would a- with asthma would, like, get to go a month before <laughs> everyone else. Um, but that's, like, the extent. But it did feel good knowing, like, the health center. I was, like, on record as being a type one diabetic. Um, but now something I regret and it sounds like you, you didn't do either is that you can register as having a disability Disability. because it is. And every college has this office for disabilities and whatever it might be called at that particular university, but absolutely do this because then you have the option of never using any of the any of the perks you don't have to use them but it's really really nice to have that option and so I because if you're in one of those rare moments where things seem to be spiraling and your mm-hmm. final you know yeah. final grade for a class may depend on your final you don't want to be in a boat that someone with a working pancreas would never have to be yeah in. and I'm not saying it's a fair situation I'm not saying that it's you know ethics aside mm-hmm. and whatever you feel is disability and isn't a disability the facts are facts you are in a you would be in a situation that you would not be in yeah. if you not had that disease. So just think of it in those terms. As and registering is always the safest. Yeah, thing. it's purely just putting you at an even playing field with everyone else. I think everyone has had at least I remember like having these professors in college who were super intense, super strict and like can't bring any sn- and no food, no drink, no this, no that. And like most kids are like, OK, they're strict, <laughs> whatever. But I'm like, that is an extra layer of anxiety. Whereas now I wouldn't have a problem going up to the teacher saying, listen, I have diabetes. I need to have X, Y and Z with right. me during the exam. And for the most part, I'm sure they'd be fine with it. But I wasn't quite as confident as a college kid as I am now. And well, hell no, you were 18, I was a kid. And so I think in, in those sort of circumstances, having yourself registered at the disabilities office is an extra layer of protection. And if you get the opportunity to take an exam privately with all of your stuff around you, so you don't have to worry about like, oh shit, what if I go low, like halfway through this exam? then like take that opportunity to just put you at the same playing field as everyone else. And I think you'll be, at least I not surprised isn't the right word, but I was, or maybe I was, I was surprised how many people I knew had some sort of, um, disability (laughs) registered. What do they call that? Um, like need extra time. Yeah. Like they got the, I can't think of the word. I'm like, it's on the tip of my tongue, but they had some sort of extra something either if they were dyslexic or had some sort of like attention issue. Like so many people I knew like under the radar were getting these extra, extra things. And it was nothing to be ashamed of. 
we and I think that's There's another thing. reasons why you can yeah. register for that too. It's like I remember you like some people if you have debilitating anxiety mm-hmm. or if you have ADHD, if you have any type of deficit, like learning de- like it you don't have to be singled out because of diabetes. No. There are a million reasons Ex- that you could be in that room. Exactly. And that's like the other part of college is you realize like everyone's got their own shit. Ours oh is God, kind of more like a 24-7 in-your-face yeah. thing, but everyone's got something. And that's, like, the one of the, again, diabetes aside, that's just, like, one of those magical things about college is you'll meet a lot of people and realize and see a lot of different circumstances. And it's just very an, – it's an eye-opening experience. So For all those kiddos out there that are listening that have, like, written in in the past mm-hmm. and have been, you know, like, what do I actually say? Like, what words do I use? Use what feels best to you, but here's a little line that I still to this day, this is how I tell people I have type 1 Oh my God, I can't wait to hear this. This is literally like, I I do not have it written down, so this could be butchered, but here we go. I'm like, you know, living my life and I'm like, actually, you know, I, this isn't that big of a deal. I have type 1 diabetes. I'm on top of it. You don't need to worry, but in case something happens, this is you know, my, my continuous glucose monitor Mm -hmm. that's monitoring my blood sugar levels might go off, but you know, I'm on top of it. As long as I'm responsive, if anything were to happen and I become Mm non-responsive, I have this thing called glucagon in my bag and it's in a red case syringe there. It's a, it's in a red case and it has a syringe and there are pictures on how to use it. Oh my God. But there's a lot of steps that that need to be (laughs) taken before I get to that level. So don't worry, everything's fine, and uh, just wanted to let you know. <laughs> I was gonna say that is I don't go into the so, gun every time. I'm gonna say that is so lengthy, but that's like good, and they're probably like, oh, okay, like you kind of covered all the bases. I would say yeah. like college is also cool because like one because you're gonna be introducing this to people so much. You also get to like play around with what feels nice. You can mix it up. Yeah. You can. There's some people, like we said, that you're gonna want them to know immediately, like your RA and your roommate. But there's some people like you might not need to tell them immediately. It's like it'll come or out ever, when it comes out. If you don't want to. And a lot of times it'll start with, oh, they'll see your insulin pump. They'll see you checking yeah. your blood sugar. If you see if. A lot of people will ask, but if they don't and you see them saying, just say like, oh, by the way, I have diabetes. That's why I'm doing this. And usually they'll, if they don't want to talk about it, they're like, oh, okay, no problem, whatever. And you can kind of sense from them that they don't need further information or aren't really open to hearing more information or they might, that'll lead to questioning. So I think this is also just a good time of your life to experiment with what feels good like what feels right for you experiments like how do people react when you say it more casually or say it more seriously like you're beating so many people and this is the perfect time to just crowdsource everything like crowdsource how you talk about it for sure and you don't have to be like hi I'm Emily and I'm Mm -hmm. type 1 diabetic these are things that like when you're ready to tell someone you tell someone on your own terms and you don't have to tell everyone if it's just you don't have to get up in the middle of like a 500 person lecture and be like hey guys just so you know I'm diabetic just wanted to get that Mm -hmm. out there if you have some friends that you recently met that you're spending time with it's something you want to tell someone go for it the only time that I'm gonna say you need to tell someone is when it's your roommate Mm -hmm. and it's your professor if you think it's gonna you know if you're not in a 
free type of class. Like mm-hmm. my twin sister was in all throughout college. LOL. She went to a very, I call it a hippie school, but I digress. <laughs> so my next point is something that I feel like we should just touch on. But again, we're not doctors. I need to explicitly say that. Uh, is drinking with type yes. 1 and that is a big component for college Miriam and I are both well over 21 by now so we can legally discuss uh, but not give advice because again we're not doctors this is also uh, making me feel though that this should be like a two-part episode because we have like so much more to talk about college related don't you feel we like we do and I feel like we've like we've covered it before okay but um, we can do part <laughs> one and part like, two no this is this is one episode no we can do multiple because i do want to touch before we get to the alcohol because i think we could talk about that for a while even though again we're not doctors that could be a whole episode but i do want to talk about um because the follower that suggested this topic was a mom and i think she was wondering like how parents kind of dealt with kids going to college i do want to make sure we touch on that before our episode ends do it up. Let's let's Okay, should I just go into my spiel? Sorry for like yeah. digressing from the alcohol. I hope people weren't like, ooh, yes, finally. Because we're not talking about that at oh. this very moment. Um <laughs> Savage. <laughs> so I think uh, wait, we're gonna have to edit this because I've already lost my train of thought. Um It's totally fine. I edit a lot of things. <laughs> I think you know what I remember about my transition to college is my parents seeming very chill and I think that is something that they actively tried to do I think they knew if they were on high alert again I would be on high alert because we all tend to match people's moods so I remember my parents being so chill I don't remember them nagging me I don't remember them ever really even asking like oh how have your blood sugars been I think at least for me at that point I'd had diabetes for so long for most of high school I was pretty independent in my management of it Um, obviously I was still living under the roof and they were cooking for me so like they were more aware of the type of foods foods I was eating but they were confident in me enough that I knew what I was doing and I kind of at the very least knew how to stay out at the hospital Um, I think in (laughs) hindsight I'm sure they were like terrified like I can only imagine what they were feeling and being scared but I think it was very important in my independence and my development as like an emerging adult that they didn't show me their anxiety and I'm very proud of how they handled it and I'm happy for how, how they handled it um, in terms of how they dealt with those feelings obviously I can't speak to that because I'm not a parent yet and I'm not them and I don't quite know um, hashtag blessed no but also yet. like <laughs> yes <laughs> but also times were like different not to sound so like old no, they were but like even no between one, when I went yeah and like, like and even when you went like no one really had CGMs and I think it'll be interesting with this generation of incoming college students that you know they likely have some sort of CGM or some sort of technology their parents are likely on sharing their CGM data so I think I think parent and child should be having a very serious discussion of like what's how involved does the kids still want their parent to be? And if parent is still going to be following CGM and is still going to be involved in diabetes care, what does that look like? Does the kid want them to like 
only text me or only bother me if it's under this number or over that number. Like, I think that needs to be a very a conversation. conversation for each parent-child relationship because it's going to be individual and depending on their dynamic. 100%, even more to get mm-hmm. like a little more explicit with mm-hmm. that. I think it's super important to have a conversation about a judgment-free zone. Mm-hmm. Parents need to understand that their kids are going to experiment in college, and just because they have type 1 diabetes doesn't mean that mm-hmm. things are off-limits to them in their mind. Um, they're still probably going to drink. They're still probably going to have, you know, not that everyone has sex in college. Everyone is on their own terms, but they might go out and dance for a night yeah. and get drunk, and that might affect their blood sugars the next day. And the last thing a kid wants is to have physical blood sugar evidence sent to their parents that something is up and I can't tell you how cool my parents are Mm -hmm. like I was on a CGM my senior year of college and yes I was 21 at that point so you know take away from that as you will but (laughs) my dad would be like he'd text me if I was like a you know I only sent alerts my Dexcom which is my CGM continuous glucose monitor only sent alerts to my parents if I was below 55 which is the urgent low alarm so at that point I'm grateful for whatever shout out they gave me because clearly I you know it either wasn't whatever I was doing to bring it Mm -hmm. up wasn't working quickly or whatever at that point yes call me but my dad, I vividly remember my dad texting me a few times being like, you out drinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> be like, just making sure you're being safe. You're at 55. Love you. Like, not like uh-huh. you need to go home. You shouldn't be drinking. Do my parents say that to me on the phone later on? Yes. Is it frustrating? Yes. Does it come from a place of love? Absolutely. And I know that. Mm-hmm. And that is something I'm super grateful for. But you got to let your kid live their life. Exactly. You can preach at them as much as you want about how they shouldn't be doing something, but mm-hmm. I guarantee you they're still going to do it. And it's much better for your relationship and everyone's mental state if everything is a judgment-free mm-hmm. zone. So yes. whether that be sex or drinking or staying out super late and affecting your sleep schedule or whatever, mm-hmm. talk about it and be okay with it. Absolutely. And if you're a parent that's not going to be that, you know, that can't be hands-off, then you need to take a step back and maybe think about how active you want to be in your child's uh, blood sugar management. Mm -hmm. That might seem harsh, but you can't let them being afraid of talking to you affect how they manage their diabetes. Mm -hmm. It's true. That's my spiel. And I think if you're a parent who has a kid going to college, at this point you've been living with a teenager for quite some time, you know if you're (laughs) going to be super strict and put these limitations on them, they're going to want to push against those. That's just like what happens at that developmental age for everyone. So I think it's in everyone's best interest, like you said, to just be open and judgment-free. And this is the time to let your child kind of become an adult become an adult exactly kind of like move around stretch try things on their own let them kind of fail so they know how to succeed and I get the stakes are much more terrifying when they do have this chronic illness that can be very dangerous but this is also a very protected environment for them to try new things like they're in this college bubble it's very you know they're not full-blown independent adults yet they're surrounded by roommates and people on their floor like if they're gonna experiment if they're gonna try riskier behaviors this is pretty much as controlled as it can be um, in this environment so kind of keep that in the back of your mind 
Um, and also learn to trust your kid. Like if, if no kid wants to, you know, no kid wants to have a diabetic emergency. I mean, that's never anyone's goal. So make sure they just are aware of steps that need to be taken, like to avoid urgent lows or urgent highs. Make sure they feel confident in, in troubleshooting and problem solving. And then let them let them see what happens. Easier said than done, I understand. But I think that's the only thing you can really do at that point. Miriam, I think you're right. I think this is mm-hmm. just part one. I think we need to go into a whole other episode <laughs> for the rest of it. Because there is so much mm-hmm. to touch on. And um, I'm going to do a little call for action from our listeners. Yes. If you have a diabetes story or just a fun college story or a tidbit that you'd want mm-hmm. yourself to know or someone else to know concerning diabetes in any way, shape, or form, can you please sign to our DMs with that story at pancreas underscore pals on Instagram, at pancreas pals PP on Facebook, <laughs> and or PP, and or shoot us an email at pancreas pals123 at gmail.com we want to hear we want to share it um we learn from each other's mistakes or not all mistakes too. each other's um experiences and every person is different and it's important to remember that especially to the parents out there if you're freaking out because you had a wild time in college it doesn't necessarily mean that your child's gonna have a wild time in college so that's like a weird you know tidbit but I think it's important to know that and be confident in the way you raised your kid and um yeah so yay for this episode went on a lot of tangents but hope it helps some people we'll do a part two Mm -hmm. sometime soon um be sure to follow us again on instagram that's at pancreas underscore pals on facebook that's pancreas pals pp and yeah thanks fam Thanks for walking down memory lane with us. Yeah. Have a great week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.